Tuesday on an all-new Buffy. Anya's had a 1,200-year career as a world-class vengeance demon. Will it all end here? I have to kill Anya. Are there any friends of yours left you haven't tried to kill? Shall we leave you in suspense or get to the point? That's just the beginning of an all-new Buffy. Welcome to the Dagger of Lex, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. This is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago. And this week's episode is Season 7, Episode 5, Selfless. We'll be talking about the plot, we'll be talking about the characters, and we will be talking about what Drew Goddard and David Solomon think about the plot and characters. So spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before it, after the comics, and probably other shows and movies. There's no hosting guidebook, no all-knowing content council. Human rules don't apply. There's only me. I am the podcast. Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> You've become redundant. <laughs> Ouch. Rupert Giles Hour. It's a s- rejoin. Yeah, here we go. Here it's we fine. Go. You've never even been a part of Rupert Trials Hour, so yeah. Well, this is just my my petty way of retaliating. <laughs> years later, uh, well, welcome, welcome back. Hello, hello. My name is Kelly. I'm here to talk about Buffy with my wonderful co-host Stacia. Say hello. Hello. And my other co-host Daniel. Say hello. Mm, I'm afraid you don't see your true self. You are Beat Me Pod. I'm a patron of a family of sorts. We're podcasters. I'm sure you've heard of us. <laughs> Yes, yes, you have, and uh, we're we're here to talk about Selfless, written by Drew Goddard, the Buffy fan turned writer. Uh, the fact that this was his first writing gig and it ended up being on a show that he loved is just unfair. I don't understand how it, life just works out for people like that, but I'm happy that he did get on the show because he's a good writer. Damn it, and he loves the show, and that makes for a good show. Anyway, TV-wise, Goddard went on to write episodes of Angel, Alias, Lost, The Defenders, and Daredevil, as well as a couple of movies, Cloverfield in 2008, World War Z in 2013, and The Martian in 2015. And as we all know, probably, because I'm sure we've all seen this movie, The Cabin in the Woods in 2012 with Joss Whedon. But Drew's no sure. He also directed Cabin in the Woods, Bad Times at the El Royale, which came out in 2018. I don't know what that is. Apparently, it's about uh, a hotel. A bunch, is John Hamm's in it? I would say maybe it's about Bad Times. Yeah, at the El Royale. John Hamm? Hotel, possibly. John Hamm? The John Hamm? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Having I'm, a bad time. Having a bad time? At the, at the El Royale. And four episodes of The Good Place. He mm. also directed those. And according to his IMDb, I, according to his IM, it's IMDb, right? Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Internet Movie Database page of his, uh, he is set to produce the currently untitled Cloverfield sequel, at some point, soonish, maybe, or it might just never get made. That I, thing happens. I yeah. hope it's called Bad Times at Cloverfield. <laughs> Adele Cloverfield <laughs> uh, directed this episode. Oh wait, I'm sorry. This is Drew Goddard's first episode, as I mentioned, but he will go on to do four more this season. So first to five for him. The next will be Conversation with Dead People. Man, this guy, great after great. So hopefully he doesn't peak, and then the rest of his episodes he does terrible. I don't know. I don't know what they are. So can't see. Directed by David Solomon. The David Solomon, who directed all of the episodes of Buffy. 16 of 19 for him. Last was Lessons, and next will be Never Leave Me, which is episode 9 this season. So, Stacia, can you please tell me what happened in this episode? Words from your own brain. 
Yeah, luckily I wrote them down already. <laughs> this is incredible. This is a first, a podcast first. We open on Don giving Willow heartwarming advice on how to fit into college life, which is by not having personality or thoughts at all, which explains a lot about Don. <laughs> Buffy and Xander arrive and worry about Anya. Don says she should just be like everyone else. We're already seeing some cracks that Buffy is considering what will happen if Anya takes her vengeance gig too far. Cut to Anya taking her vengeance gig too far. <laughs> the camera pans over multiple bloody frat boy bodies, and Anya asks, what have I done? Flashback time. It's Sjorn so, so Yost. That's what I'm going to guess. Sjorn so, Yost in the year of our Lord 880. <laughs> and Anya, sorry, odd, in a shocking turn of character development, likes bunnies. We see Olaf before he's a troll physically, but still a troll mentally, if you know what I mean. Sweet, innocent odd still struggles to fit into the human world, even as a human. And it doesn't help that Olaf is definitely shupping that strumpet. Ronvig. <laughs> Back to the present day, and Anya is trying to clean up the car- clean up from the carnage, and we see Spike having a lucid conversation in the school basement with Buffy. Wait, just kidding. He's hallucinating Buffy. <laughs> Wait, just kidding. The first is pretending to be a Buffy hallucination, making Spike feel crazier than he is. Enter the actual Buffy, who tries to get Spike to leave the basement with no success. Willow is back on campus and feeling great. She runs into Anya, who is wearing uh, what I would call suspicious trench coat chic. I guess when you're a vengeance demon, you come prepared for bloodstains with a huge coat. Unfortunately, that coat doesn't hide that one inch of wrist covered in blood that Anya didn't wash off. Willow's spidey sense tingles and she heads to the frat house to find a bloody massacre and a traumatized co-ed that had wished the frat boys could all feel what it's like to have their hearts ripped out. And Anya is nothing if not poetic. Indeed. The co-ed says that it was a spider, a heart-ripping spider, that creepily climbs the wall behind Willow. Willow does some turning your eyes black magic to hold off the spidey demon. It jumps through a window and disappears. Too bad that <laughs> her evil magic didn't outright kill the demon. That's a great point. Makes no sense. We're back in Sior... Sjorn Yost. I hate this place. (laughs) (laughs) And oh look, Olaf is now physically a troll after shupping that load-bearing strumpet. (laughs) The villagers hit him with fruits and various meats before running him out of the village. De Hoffren invites Odd, now Anyanka, into the vengeance fold. Cut to Buffy hard at work when Willow rings her up to let her know about the spidery heart-ripping menace running through the college campus. Meanwhile, Anya is having a heart-to-heart with Hallie. Willow arrives and kicks Hallie out to be a pot calling the kettle black. (laughs) Buffy and Xander openly carry weapons around the wilderness of campus. They find another student, one heart down, and they know they're getting close. The spider, rustling in the treetops, attacks the pair before returning to the safety of the canopy. No worries, though, as Buffy tosses her large axe upwards and strikes the spider demon on the first try. (laughs) At home, the duo become a trio as Xander and Buffy question why Willow didn't tell them sooner about Anya, even though she basically immediately told them. Mm, right? Buffy says it's fine because she understands the hesitation because Buffy is gonna kill Anya. We get another fun flashback to St. Petersburg, 1905. Anyanka and Hallie are decked out in fancy dresses and draped in jewels at the head of a banquet table covered in corpses. Anyanka tells Hallie that she lives for her job as another man runs past on fire. They're not worried. Hallie tells Anyanka she should widen her interest and experience the revolution she's partly inspired. Back at Buffy's house, and Xander pleads for Anya's life, but Buffy is firm. She reminds Xander that she's the one that makes the hard choices. She's the one that killed Angel for the world, even though she loved him more than she will ever love anything in this life. Shots fired at dawn. <laughs> she tells Joyce. Xander. She's not in the room, right? <laughs> she's, right she's not here. Hey, Joyce, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she tells Xander if there's another way, 
find it. Willow summons to Hoffren, who congratulates her on the inspired flaying of Warren Mears. Willow isn't interested in talking about that. She is different now, <laughs> but she does want to talk about Anya. Xander finds Anya at the scene of her crime. I mean, vengeance. Xander warns Anya that Buffy is coming to do what she does best. Anya puts on her fighting face, and they exchange retorts and punches before Buffy stabs Anya through the chest. Cut to one last flashback to last season when Anya sings a solo about how she's so excited to finally know who she is. Mrs. Anya Christina Emanuela Jenkins. Harris. <laughs> Anya walks out into the balcony. Now in her wedding dress, the music swells, and... We cut to a lifeless Anya, blood dripping from her mouth, and a sword pinning her to the wall. <laughs> Anya wakes and pulls the sword from her chest, commenting it takes a lot more to kill a ve- vengeance demon. The fight continues until Xander knocks Buffy to the ground. Toffrin appears in a crackle of energy and light. Anya says she wants to take it back. Toffrin agrees, but says that there will be a price, the life and soul of a vengeance demon. Xander tries to intercede, but Anya won't be swayed. She threatens. She entreats Tahoffrin to do it. He summons Hallie and she begins to burn from within before exploding. Tahoffrin reminds her what he's taught her. Never go for the kill when you can go for the pain. Anya is out and now she's left to deal with her own choices. Tahoffrin tells Anya she just needs to be patient because from beneath you it devours cryptically before disappearing. (laughs) Xander follows Anya out of the frat house. Anya says it's time to figure out things for herself but worries that she might be nobody. Xander lovingly calls her a dope before walking away into the darkness. Anya watches him walk away for a moment before heading in a different direction. Her own direction. Oh, beautiful. (laughs) Lovely. Breathtaking. It's like somebody slaughtered an Abercrombie and Fitch catalog. Thank you so much for Letting us know what happened in this episode, it sounded like a great ride. Gotta say, what a heck of an episode. Uh, Facts about this episode, Southless, if you're curious. St. Petersburg, 1905. There was a revolution in Russia in 1905, but it failed. Halfrick refers to the Winter Mansion in connection with the revolution happening outside, presumably meaning the Winter Palace, that palace featured in the 1917 revolution, but not in 1905. Well, what is there to be interested in? The worker will overthrow absolutism and lead the proletariat to a victorious communist revolution resulting in socio-economic paradise on Earth. It's common sense, really. I have better things to worry about. The only thing I have to add to your 1905 is that they did march to the Winter Palace. They didn't burn it down. Okay. But they did march on it. That's where they went to, which is where Tsar Nicholas II was. So, yeah, they were just, you know, petitioning for... Fair wages, working conditions. So it was an industrial revolution, if you will, that did get sort of taken down. But as Anya alluded to, oh, what what does it matter? You know, the proletariat will rise and blah, blah, blah. You know, all of that will happen in 1917. Mm. And most scholars see this as the the start of the Russian Revolution gotcha. itself, a precursor, if you will. So, so she still uh, theoretically had a hand in it. Um, she theoretically had a hand in it. But there, I, as far as I know, they didn't burn down the palace, but they, they will. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much they knew. You would imagine that like, he knew a little bit, because yeah, definitely. I mean, he wrote the scene, but all that really matters is that Drew Goddard might have answered the Halfrek is actually Cecily, Cecily question in the DVD mm-hmm. commentary. So he says, "quote This was originally going to be a Renaissance scene, but we realized that because Hallie appears as Cecily in Fool for Love, our timeline wouldn't work, so we had to move it to St. Petersburg, which I really like because it opened up the possibility for jokes regarding Anya as a communist at this point because she's such a capitalist." Now, so he says specifically, Hallie appears as Cecily. So the question remains: Was Halfrek? Halfrek already and using Cecily as a cover or did he mean it like she was still Cecily at this point but not yet a demon 
So like regardless of the, but it doesn't really matter. They're they're still the same person. He's confirmed. Or they are the same person. Dehoffrin shows up and says, "What's your name? Hi, I'm Cecily. No, you're Halfrin. Oh yeah, just like you That's did with Hoffrin's thing. Yeah, you never yeah, get into. Yeah, yeah. I just change people's names at will. Yeah, yeah. But what we we were like the the question was like, was she already Halfrin, and then person. that was a cover, or was she Cecily, oh. and then not yet turned into Halfrin? So hmm. regardless, Interesting. they're the same person, and that's all we care about. Huh. Anya, Anya. In the episode, The Wish. Wish vs. Giles says that destroying Anya's power center will reverse all of her wishes. So maybe that's what we're playing at with the failed revolution that like Anya did it, but then reversed her wish. Uh, clearly, we're not meant to remember that Anya's wishes were supposed to have been reversed at all because that would mean that Olaf was not still a troll, but clearly he is still a troll because we bring him back from checkpoint. I thought I, I thought, thought it was just, just the last wish. I yeah, I thought that's what I read. Yeah, she I mean, made a wish to change that. Not. Oh, yeah, to change, change the 12. That's what he said. There's 12 bodies. It's going to take a lot to undo yeah. it. Yeah, maybe. A life for a life. I didn't, but not the whole. I didn't look at the script. I should have looked at the scripts. The thing that that told me this, that could not be true. But theoretically, smashing the power center, if Giles said that, that, that would be wrong. But it doesn't matter. Because yeah. speaking of that fucking necklace, there's plenty of evidence in season three that Anyanka needs her pendant as her power source. Mm-hmm. It's explicitly stated. And Hallie, mm-hmm. you can see it clearly right before she dies. And she had it, that little blue fleck thing that mm-hmm. Dawn, like, they need a power center, right? But from Hell's Bells till now, Anya, this is nary, nary a necklace. Not mentioned, not seen, it's never relying on one. Where the fuck? But, like, pocket? The bigger problem is if that were still true canonically, like, if that were still true lore of the show, then we wouldn't need to summon to Hoffren at all. And Anya could just smash her power source and stop being a vengeance demon and reverse her wish. But we're not allowed to think about that. It doesn't matter. Okay. Not as fun. <laughs> not as fun. She's not the Anya that you knew, Xander. She's a demon. That doesn't mean you have to kill her. Don't act like this is easy for me. You know it's not. There are other options. I've considered them. When? Just now? Took you all of 10 seconds to decide to kill one of your best friends? thought that it might come to this has occurred to me before. Do you want to learn about Mrs.? The song, I guess the, the song. song. Yeah. <laughs> Written by Joss Whedon. Side note, he also wrote the Xander Anya scene at the end and came up with the dead frat boys idea. Drew Goddard told the bronze beta board that Whedon pretty much wrote the song overnight. It's called Mrs. I can't take any credit for it whatsoever. We were on the set of Firefly when Josh was directing the train job, the Firefly series premiere, and he said something like, what if we flash back to the musical, dot, dot, dot. The very next morning, he walked in and said, I've got the song. Sometimes I think you can start car batteries with his brain. In the commentary, he also goes on to say, like, I, he told they were hanging out talking about ideas for this episode and they were like I really want to do a, a scene from the musical and Joss was like absolutely not I'm not writing the fucking song find anybody else to write the song I'm absolutely not writing the song and so the next day he's like I wrote the fucking song here you go so it's like <laughs> pretty good anyway keep going keep going uh, Mrs. takes place the same night Buffy sings going through the motions in Once More With Feeling and selfless right before the song starts Anya asks Xander if the coconut thing was weird in um once more with feeling, she tells the Scoobies at the magic box that, quote, we were arguing and, and then everything rhymed and there were harmonies and the dance with coconuts. Keep going. Also, right before Anya <laughs> starts singing, you can hear David Fury singing about getting mustard on his favorite shirt and a woman, sang by Marnie Noxon, sings that he has to have it dry cleaned. Goddard considered doing a flashback to Hush, but decided that it would be difficult to show Anya defining herself through Xander without dialogue. Mm. That would have been a tough one. Just stand aside. Comes the bride. I'll be Mrs. 
Shornyost. Shornyost. Yeah. Seemed like she did fine. Shornyost facts. Shornyost does not exist now, nor has it ever existed. It's a totally wow, fictional fact. place. Uh, however, the language that Aud and Olaf were supposed to be speaking was real Swedish. Goddard claims that Shornyost scenes were written in Swedish, but he intended for the lines to be dubbed badly in English. So Emma Caulfield and Abraham Ben Ruby were told they didn't need to memorize the Swedish that carefully because it wasn't actually be heard in the episode. But those kids went above and beyond. They both memorized the Swedish words phonetically, and the show creators were so pleased with their performance that they decided to subtitle the scenes rather than dub them. Turns out, though, an actual Swede understands the language a touch better than the non-Swedish-speaking Buffy crew, Per one presumably Swedish redditor. <laughs> oh no. Uh, Emma starts stock is, starts off speaking shaky Swedish well enough for me to understand what she's saying without looking at the subtitles, but Emma starts speaking complete gibberish at one point in the scene and just keeps going. She'll be acting and doing the appropriate motions and then be all like basically just making noises. It's pretty funny to watch and it makes me wonder if there were time constraints or something. Uh, but she's an excellent actor and pretender. The troll sticks to the Swedish throughout the whole scene, though, I think. And I was like that's excellent. And at some point I did notice her. She was just like, sick per day, bjord, bjord. She was like very Swedish chef at one point, but I was like, I don't know, Swedish move? That's how it's fucking sounds. <laughs> Pretty convincing. Be, Good that enough. That could be Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goddard chose the names out and for Anya's original human name because while researching Viking names, he found a Viking king named Olaf who had a wife named Aud who was known for mm. her sense of humor and ability to manage money. The description of Aud fit Anya so well that he just had to use her name. In case you were wondering, Olaf the White was a warrior king, the son of King Ingjald, who married Aud the Deep-Minded, the daughter of Kettle Flatnose. You're welcome. Mm, black Kettle. <laughs> Trolls. Ah. So much together was only available for three days of shooting this episode because of her wedding. Goddard said that her hair in this episode, the little braid thing, that's her. it's her wedding hair. She like apparently ran right off the set after this to go get married to Freddie Prince goddamn Jr. Mm. And they're still married, right? Yeah. It's nuts. They've got kids. They just posted their Instagram photos of their outfits. Mm. Oh, for Halloween? Halloween. Cute. The network was unhappy with the Hoffman's Abercrombie and Fitch line. It looks like someone slaughtered an Abercrombie and Fitch catalog. How? Because it made him seem like he didn't care about the deaths of the frat boys. Goddard explained to the UPN that Hoffman is evil. (laughs) So that's kind of his thing. But the network still didn't get it. To appease them, he wrote an alternate line. It looks like Maxim just lost 15 subscriptions, uh, but the original line was eventually wow. okayed by the UPM. We know that because we live in the future. People may say something like, my protein window closes in an hour. Just nod and smile. Hmm? Turns out it has something to do with fitness. So, Stacia, tell me, what, what do you think about this year episode, Selfless? I like this episode. You always do that. I like take one sip because I'm like, clearly she's going to talk for more than one second. No, nope. you know I am not. I do. I don't know what to say about. It. I like the episode. I thought it was funny. I like Anya. I do feel like we did like a little bit of like a about turn with her character because she's never seemed like she was sort of like aimless and wondering who am I until this episode. She always seemed very sure of herself and what she wanted. So I feel like that's kind of out of left field, although I guess I get why they did that for this episode. I like seeing her backstory. That's fun. Um, Willow annoyed me. Oh, why is that? I don't. She was just like all high and mighty considering the fact that she did, you know, some recent slaying herself. (laughs) And she just like when push came to shove, she did her little black eye magic 
moment and turn into a real bitch to that girl who's <laughs> crying in the closet for no reason. And I'm just like, I don't know what's going on with you, Willow, but you're not the person I love. <laughs> it's the drugs. They make you do the wacky. Apparently. <laughs> Anyways, it was enough that DeHoffrin was like, I mean, I fucking felt it when you just pushed that spider and yelled at that a girl, that victim. The, right? <laughs> for no reason. It's just like, really? You're going to, like, you're going to, like, infuse yourself with what seems to be literal evil because your eyes turn black and that seems to be the implication and you become a bitch and all you're going to do is kind of push the spider a little to the side. Like, that's all you do. You don't uh, just, like, crush it. it out a window. No, I think it runs out a window because she mm, fair enough. threw it a little bit. Yeah, okay. And then it was like, Wee! Look, she saved them through both. a window. She saved them both. Whatever. Behold the Hoffren, Lord of Arashmaha, he that turns the air to blood and rains to... Miss Rosenberg, how lovely to see you again. Okay, well... Is Willow. that better? Yeah, no, that's much better. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Daniel, how much did you hate Willow in this episode? Uh... Uh... A little bit, but it was okay. I mean, that was coerced. I had, to, I had to. I have to think about how well Willow was doing, so I think I tried to empathize a bit more with her. Um, I will say that this episode, I, it obviously, is great. There's no problems. Well, there are problems with this episode, oh. but um, this was like the toughest watch I've ever had, in a way, because I couldn't watch this as not a podcaster. I kept mm-hmm. like when they when they had the fight in the the room about humans versus demons i kept pausing it and i kept thinking about the countless conversations that the three of us have had Mm -hmm. about this very thing so it was really great to have all of our friends hanging out and like talking about it i thought that was pretty good but it's still kind of like that part kind of got to me i was like it's an emblematic episode kind of encapsulates a lot of what we've been talking about but we've kind of been doing this for a long time. And Anya, too, I'm with you, Stacia. Like, I think that it kind of comes out of left field a little bit. And it's like a weird doubling down of, like, she wanted to get married. And in the end, mm-hmm. was it just the marriage that unhinged her? Like, because that kind of sucks. Is that true? Is that not true? Is this the culmination of my Hell's Bells universe or not? Like, it, you know, I was conflicted on that as well. Um, but beyond all of that, like, the ending is superb. It hit harder than I remember. The song is really, really good. Better than I remember. The cut is better than I remember. I forgot to Hoffren showed up. I forgot how Freck died. I forgot about the frat boys. I literally forgot everything about this episode except song, hard cut, <laughs> we're dead. That's it. And, and unfortunately, the rest of it beyond the emblematicness was a, a bit tough. I will say my biggest problem with the episode, though, is that we have Spike, Mr. Attempted Rape himself, mm. talking about his assault. And I thought... And I don't know how I feel about this for myself because it's like kind of an icky thing to like want. But I thought that they were going to I thought that these frat boys were going to be bad. I know. I thought that they were going to have assaulted this woman. Well, when uh, she says, yeah, when she's like she because she takes a beat. She's like, I came I I got here and there was nobody there. It was just me and all of them. And I'm like, (gasps) and he broke up with me. (laughs) So so on, on the one hand, it's like we all can breathe a sigh of relief that that's not what happened. But, like, instead of, like, Anya monkey-pawing her wish, which, like, I assume Anya is probably famous for, you know, taking yeah. liberties with what's being said and being like, well, well fuck it. I'll, yeah, you, you said exactly. We saw it with the worm, too, right? So it's like we've seen it, and it could have been much grimmer. She just killed these 12 boys, yeah. these nine boys that I counted, for nothing. 
But what if she killed them because they were actually bad? Right. Then you have to deal with something like that. I, again, just, I want more interrogation of it. And I know that's not what the show is. But I do appreciate that Willow abstained at the end and Xander went to try to thwart Buffy. And I think that the show has enough respect for its characters that you can almost choose where you want to stand. And I think, you know, we've all had different opinions and it kind of varies case by case. But I liked that it kind of like lets you draw your own conclusion about what you maybe wanted to see because there's a part of me during when it was happening where I'm like, Buffy, why don't you just go fucking talk to Anya? Why don't you see if you can guys go and kill DeHoffrin, free her from her prison? And in the end, Willow talked to DeHoffrin. I mean, stakes had to be pulled, but who knows what could have happened. You could have done something if you used your words, but I know you smacky smacky kill kill. And that's, you know, and that's what DeHoffrin dunks on her for. And it's like, okay, well, shit, man. Ms. Rosenberg seems to think Onyanko would be better suited outside the vengeance fold. I think we already know what Lady Haxaway wants. And the young man, he sees with the eyeballs of love. But I'm not sure if anyone's bothered to find out what Anyanka herself really wants. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree about the Anya thing, uh, like about this coming out of nowhere, but I I can kind of see it in a way, right? Okay, so you have been alive forever. You've had maybe more than one, but as far as we know, only one relationship at least on screen before you become a vengeance demon and then you have 1100 years of being a vengeance demon and we have hallie saying you're married to the job man like you have you are the person that lives to work and that's all you do vengeance is what i do halfrek i don't need anything else vengeance is what i am so she has really no identity beyond that. Like, I don't even have... T- and that's part of, a like, a, a thing, too, when you're trying to escape yourself, where you're just like, I'm going to bury myself in work, and then I never even have to think about being a person because I'm just my job. So then she becomes not a, a demon. Um, and, you know, her taste in men aside, she does, you know, okay, Xander, I can, I'm going to just be Xander's girlfriend. I mean, I have my own wants and desires and stuff, but, like, I have this bedrock of, okay, oh, cool, I'm with this guy. Uh, and that's why I'm I'm girlfriend person who who does my things. I like she's still an independent person, but she's like I I'm at least I have that. And then that gets torn away from her, and she's like, okay, well, what what do I know about myself? Well, I, I used to really like being a vengeance team, and let me try that. And so she goes back to that, and then she's like, this is I remember this being more fun. I don't really this is like a bummer. <laughs> and then she's like, well, shit, I what if I'm not that? Who am I? So if this legitimately could be the first time she's like, if I'm not work and I'm not a girlfriend, which is the only other thing I've known to be, what am I? So I could see that being pretty, you know, shake, shake up a I don't know that it's necessarily just that she got dumped. It's just like, okay, well, now I'm this thing. I'm just going to throw myself into the thing and it didn't work this time. So what does that mean? I don't know any other coping mechanism. So I can, I think I can see where they're going with that. I think that's really charitable. I like that. I mean, that's better than... It just being all about her wanting to get married. I think you're right. It's one thing or the other. And she kind of put a lot into each. Mm-hmm. But maybe there is, again, I mean, even with Buffy being like, there is no other way. Well, <laughs> there is another way. There usually I mean, fucking DeHoffern is. Was, DeHoffern was the other way, right? I mean, she she's walking out of there. That was not supposed to be. It was either Buffy's dead or Anya's dead. Yeah. And no, they both live. So there was a third way. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a really interesting way to put it in. And, Xander said, yeah, there's other options. And that's the other option. What we know is that Xander is always right. Okay, so (laughs) the thing that we keep talking about, 
but it's always different. Don't worry. It's always different. Uh, this episode is clearly about Anya. And one of the biggest moments of the episode to me is obviously the Scooby meeting. Um, even that would seem to be a low point for you. Did you think that was kind of the low point of the episode too? Them talking in the house? Yeah. Yeah. See, that was so important to me for some reason. I mean, it's still about Anya, essentially. They're talking about, I mean, the episode, like, it was the most dramatic moment, I, I feel like, of, you know, it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be, like, the most heightened tension-wise. Because there's so much, every scene with Anya is so fun until it's not. <laughs> uh, you know, we obviously talked about Buffy's reaction to Willow's pair of murders last season multiple times. But God damn it, another one of our friends is murdering people again, so we have to talk about this. So... Uh, oh, yeah. I had a question for you. Side note. <laughs> it wouldn't actually be murder, right, what Anya did because she used a spider demon to kill those guys. So, like, in real world terms, wouldn't that be more like a hitman or a spider man <laughs> or a hit spider? Spider man. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think you can make the argument that the spider is just your weapon. Mm, mm, fair enough. Fair enough. And it was premeditated, right? She planned to kill them. She killed them. So, pretty murdery. Okay. So, I think Buffy and Xander both. Both make great points in this scene when discussing the killing of Anya. Uh, and I feel like this conversation, even though we've had it a bunch of times, this one does feel a little bit more fleshed out because I feel like they both bring up good good points. And because Drew Goddard watched the show, like he watched the television show, I think he understands the characters really well. And to be able to come kind of come back and forth and even bring the angel thing up, right? It's like, that's great. So uh, Xander says it's, uh, sorry, Buffy says it's different. And Xander says only because you don't care about her the way I do. And then he doubles down when he brings up Spike, right? So, do you think Xander's accusations are valid even a little, that Buffy doesn't care about Anya as much as he does, so that's what makes her okay with killing Anya? Buffy, I still love her. I know. And that's why you can't see this for what it really is. I mean, I, I don't think that Buffy cares about Anya as much as Xander does. Um, but I don't think that Buffy is, like, lightly making this decision. Right, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a middle ground, right? But, Daniel, do you think that Xander's totally right? That he's like, you know, you just, you only protect the people that you love, and you loved Spike, and, or, but it's, it's, that's not fair, right? Because she doesn't care about Spike. Not really. She never loved him. I mean, they were together, but, like, were they? It's not a really easy answer. Like, I don't think they're all going to agree, and I think they dis- they agree to disagree at the end, because I all think that they make okay points, and I don't think that... Buffy cares about Anya, and she says, you don't think it's crossed my mind? Well, if it crossed your mind four episodes ago, go fucking talk to her. Yes. I mean, it's like an enormous plot hole that you kind of need to, I think, weave around. I don't think you lean into it because it makes Buffy look bad. And and I know the show's about Buffy, and I know like Buffy's going to be the law. She says she's the law. That's dope. But I don't know. I want a little more commentary on it. Like, they shouldn't be like cool with this. Like, that's bad. I don't know. That doesn't make Buffy look good. In my opinion. She chose to become a demon. Twice. You have no idea what she's going through. I don't care what she's going through. Oh, of course not. You think we haven't all seen this before? The part where you just cut us all out? Just step away from everything human and act like you're the law? If you knew what I I felt- I killed Angel. Do you even remember that? See, I was definitely on Buffy's side during this argument. Uh, because because what she counters with, which is what we talked about a lot with Willow, was, you know, Buffy says Willow was different. She's human. Anya's a demon. Mm. Mm. Okay, I I will play devil's advocate, and I'm going to bring up another TV show that we talk about often on this show, and I'm sorry. Um, Grey's Anatomy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> There's this storyline where um, Dr. McDreamy or whatever 
as a neurologist or a neurosurgeon, looks at this MRI scan of a patient. And he says, she's brain dead. There's nothing I can do. And it's this like three second decision. And he knows and he's done. And he's like, that's the end of her life. Do the test. Take her, pull her off oxygen. And then they go through this litigation with the husband where he's like, well, how long did it take to determine that my, you know, to end my wife's life? And the doctor's like, well, you know. 15 seconds (laughs) and he was like so you made a life-changing decision in 15 seconds and he's like I didn't need longer than that I know what it looks like you know and I think about that when I'm working at a law firm I do new client intakes and sometimes I'll send the email with all the information and I'll get an email back within a minute that's like no Hmm. with no further elaboration and I do not call those people back immediately because I know that they're going to fight me saying well did they really understand my case and it's like they did and they know that this isn't something they're doing (laughs) this isn't something that's you know going to have legs for whatever reason and just like the doctor knew that that woman wasn't going to survive because at a certain point when you're an expert you can assess and make a decision instantly because you need to and I feel like Buffy maybe got to that point like she wasn't with Angel And now she is. And she knew it with Willow. And she was going to kill Willow or do her best to kill Willow in the last season. And she's doing it here with Anya. And maybe she should have tried to step in and mitigate Anya as a danger before Anya decided to kill people. But also, why is that Buffy's job? (laughs) She's not the only one that's friends with Anya. Couldn't they have all stepped in and done that? I mean, Anya comments on that, right? Like, everybody's (laughs) so helpful today. Where were you a week ago? Yeah. And it's so frustrating because it's like if only you had all gone and talked to Anya and tried to help Anya and been friends with Anya and like supported her through this breakup and through everything she's going through. But you didn't. And now that this line has been crossed, like this is Slayer territory and Buffy's the one that makes the decision and this is the decision she needs to make. And no, she doesn't need to debate it for three months and, you know, angst over it because that's just going to make it worse and more people are going to get hurt. She needs to be decisive. And. So I find that very convincing for Buffy, like her I am the law speech. I think she's really feeling comfortable with like I am the slayer and I don't need um, to, you know, look to Giles for strength or for anything else. Like I can do it myself even when it's hard. Um, And I think it's disingenuous for Xander to try to throw these things in Buffy's face because she did, you know, it did take her a long time to kill Angel. But in the end, she fucking did it. (laughs) It was miserable. Yeah. She did it when Angel was Angel, too. Yeah. Yes. Wasn't Angelus. I mean, props to her. I mean, like the whole time I'm I'm against Buffy still. But like what she did was amazing. I'm glad (laughs) that it was brought up because it needs to be said. And it makes the whole thing muddy and messy. And there is no real good answer because even with the authority of a brain surgeon, Buffy, sure, she trains for this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But like what kind of real what expert really is she what like she's been trained by a bunch of white dudes at a council who made (laughs) her into a machine and she's like actively breaking the bounds of her machinery but yet still retaining some of it why is she retaining some bits and not others so there's a question of even her legitimacy which again that's why people go to doctors and say well what's your legitimacy Stacia what's your legitimacy for telling me no I'll Mm -hmm. go somewhere else and say it like Mm -hmm. you're always going to get that pushback and it just kind of depends on the scenario now Buffy's a superhuman so that's tough You, you know you're going to have a hard time with that but i for us it's our whole conversation is just over these seven years buffy you're right has definitely consolidated this aura around herself as the law mm-hmm. and i think she's earned it for sure mm-hmm. i mean she has the authority to pull it off is it true is it real that's uh, i think up for debate but it's philosophical more than it is actual power as we know from season seven power 
is what you were talking about. And she has the power as far as we're concerned. Yeah. Although even with the Hoffrin, when he shows up, I feel like, man, can she fight the Hoffrin? Like there are moments <laughs> where there are still gods in this world. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. Buffy did defeat a god. But there are some people that like Buffy is the law, but like the law of the middle tier. There has there it seems like there's a whole world. We got dimensions above. and dimensions. That's what I mean. And, yeah. and, and but DeHoffer's like, don't even move. Just don't even do anything. And Buffy's like, all right, man. I'm not gonna <laughs> fuck with you. And it's like, okay, well, all this power talk and like, oh, you're not even okay, whatever. That all worked out okay. So the 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 angel of it all, right? So uh, like the kick his ass thing. Apparently that was like Something Buffy fans back in the day could not let go. They like really considered it this huge loose end and we're just waiting for them to bring it up. And I was like, I never really were you guys waiting for that? I didn't it's never bothered me once. Forgot. Forgot. (laughs) I think it would have bothered me if Buffy hadn't immediately bailed out of the The left and went to Folkland, yeah. Yeah, like out of the town. If they had, like, immediately come back together and talked about it and was like, Willow, why would you tell me to kick his ass if you were actually going to turn him back into Angel? Mm -hmm. And then Willow would have been like, I never said that. But since we had, like, this amount of time and they're not really talking about it, it never. Yeah. So do you think that, like, it was even worth bringing up that Xander was, like, obligated to to tell her at some point? Or was this something that you think that would have never been brought up unless, you know, Buffy had forced the issue just now? Yeah, I don't think it would have been brought up. I don't think Buffy knew that. Maybe Buffy did knew that Willow didn't actually say that. No, she. Did. I don't think she knows. Yeah, the only one that knows that Willow didn't say that is Xander. Yeah, well, until this moment. Yeah. So, what do you think, Daniel? Like, like Xander was obligated all this time to have brought it up. Like, is this a huge thing that changes everything? It's a bombshell. <laughs> I mean, no what way. does it fix? What did it do? I know. No, I mean, in the moment, like, it made me reassess the end of season two, just like you said, where she leaves because, like. Angel's like, no friends, no whatever. Uh, what do you have left? And she's like, me, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my god, you're you're kind, of, you're right. Like he, Buffy's like, fuck, I have to go kill my boyfriend, and especially he turned back into angels, and they didn't know that at the time. He's a mm-hmm. murderous lunatic, and as we've known, demons that are murder- murderous, we just kill them. That's the rule. That is the rule. So we shouldn't have felt so bad for him, but it is still someone she loved, and this would obviously be a conflict for her. And her friends are saying, go kill him. So I think that might be, I don't know, I want to ask both of you. Do you think that that kind of hypocrisy is fueling this fight now a little bit? Like, that's why she brought it up? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it all comes out when Willow, yeah. says, when, Willow, when Willow says, that turned out okay. I laughed. Yeah. I was like, amen, that did turn out okay. <laughs> Fuck you, Buffy. Loser. <laughs> and, then she, and then, of course, she turned it right around and was just like, and then that's when she... You know, I think that she's had it in the in the holster for a long time. Mm. And, you, you know, so? we don't talk about this all the time, but it's like, oh, we're about to we're about to talk about it. So mm. let's talk about it. Right. Because you're going to say some dumbass comment about how it's all OK. I didn't know he's coming back from hell. I thought he was, I thought I was killing him for good. Mm-hmm. Like I, he came back. That's cool. But, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah. I, you didn't I, I kill him like, with an asterisk you know, yeah, yeah. by yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and it's one of those things where it's like, you know, Buffy's friends, they kind of put her in this position where they're like, you have to do it. It's your job. Go kill Angel. You're the slayer. This is what you do. And then immediately when it's not part of their agenda, they're like, how could you be so cruel and heartless? <laughs> you know, Anya's our friend. And she's like, what the fuck? You were literally telling me to kill the person that was the most important person to me in the entire fucking world. Mm-hmm. And I did it. And now you're yeah. saying I'm an asshole because I want to kill Anya who just <laughs> murdered 12 people. <laughs> Yeah. 
Uh, it's pretty rich. And we'll pretty continue rich, to go Sam on and murder more people. Like, that's the other thing with Anya is, like, Willow might be a one-off, you know, because it's like she's not a, she doesn't <laughs> have a history true. of murdering. But, like, Anya pre-Xander has a thousand years of just carnage, and now she's starting it again. Like, Buffy as the Slayer, could she, like, you know, like, ethically, morally just let that slide? Let it go. Yeah. I think she's, like, compelled to hunt Anya down, really. She's, like, she's, I think she's being really consistent, even if there is some gray area, and even if, whether or not you think it's fair, the consistency, right? Like, the Mm -hmm. thing that she's chosen to be consistent about, I think she has really been. She's like, that is a demon that's killing people. And then with Spike, so, like, I think that was wise for him. I think the Spike thing is more damning than the Angel thing, for Xander's argument, right? Because he's like, that dude killed hundreds of people and you just let him roll around, like roam around, no big deal. You haven't went and killed him. You know, but if that's the rule. Would, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me, though, because once he had a chip, why right. would she kill him? Right, and that's what she, she brings up. Like Because she would have killed him before that. Right, that's what I'm saying. Buffy does have a code. The code and is, she you're did not a demon. kill Anya when she was not a vengeance demon. Yes. Wouldn't that be the same thing as Spike having a chip? Yeah. You're a demon, but you're not hurting people. I don't have yeah. to hurt you. I don't have to kill you. Yeah. So, like, it's not as black and white as, like, all demons are bad, because that's obviously been a, sh- a theme on the show. And she, you know, Riley, we hated Riley for that because he was mm-hmm. so, like, it's yeah. a demon, you got to kill it. So she's clearly not that. She she has, she's, but she's reached the breaking point. She could have avoided it. She could have gone and talked to Anya at any point, and we could have figured this out. Again, why is that Buffy's responsibility? Sandra, <laughs> you broker. They are friends. You broker. They are friends. Are they? I think this episode made it clear that maybe not so much. I think between all of them, Buffy is least close to Anya and therefore least responsible. Yes, Yes, definitely. Least responsible. I mean, Buffy was dead for a whole summer while they were bonding together. That's true. true. And bonding at their house, though. I also felt like Buffy was talking to us directly or me directly when she was like you guys are always ragging on me for for uh, coming down off on alone me. by myself yeah. <laughs> like I'm sorry buffy I'm sorry you're allowed to go off by yourself i did feel kind of chastised but i still feel i just still feel that she's wrong it's almost like angel mm-hmm. is an exception that proves the rule i don't really feel that strongly about it but it is like the I don't know I because even with Spike you can debate his harmlessness even though he can't defeat fight humans or something he wasn't he selling eggs to Doctor <laughs> no Riley Sam and, is the doctor Sam is the doctor Sam never forget is the doctor I know so but <laughs> it wasn't that that was mm-hmm. him though oh, yeah. selling Holding the them eggs for that were gonna like destroy Dr. the Sam. world yeah. yeah right so. That's not good. So Spike <laughs> is still doing bad things. Little evil could just right now Little just evils. put him put him out of his misery. Just kill uh, right now, especially. He's a wounded dog. Oh, just yeah. take him, just kill him. Yeah. Of course. And good luck with that dog tragedy. Uh you brought it up briefly and I wanted to to ask some more and open it up to the group. So you didn't like that Willow was being Switzerland about the whole thing, that she just opted out of the whole argument. What should she have done? Talking to me? Yeah. Didn't you say that? Weren't oh, you no, like the, I said her I, inaction? No, I said it was nice. Oh, I, I said it was nice that we all got to choose. I mean, you could be on Xander's mm-hmm. side and fight. You could abstain from the argument, mm-hmm. or you could go with Buffy. I felt like the three of them have a very unique opinion, and Bu- Willow's is the most like interesting just because she was Anya, and now she's... I think the, abstain- the abstaining is not so much because she likes Anya or anything like that, but she's like feels the guilt about her own stuff, and... I don't know, wants it to play out and doesn't feel like she has the right to say anything. I don't know why she wasn't there. But no, I was I was okay with that. I okay. like the fact that she wasn't there and 
and we get three different point of views. I think that makes for a stronger show. Yeah. Better characters. Uh, Drew Goddard said that that's the Joss Whedon's philosophy of making a good scene is having lots of characters that you care about with completely opposing ideas and then trying to figure out what happens when they have to decide on a, a single thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's 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 a good concept. I agree that's with every person at one point in that yeah. in that argument. What do you think about Willow abstaining from picking mm-hmm. a side? I don't think she had another choice. I think she kind of had to. Yeah, I, I like. I just wonder what would have made it different. Like, I what difference she would have made in this situation, right? So, like, you're Willow. Xander's your best friend. Buffy's your best friend. They both make great points, and you're like, okay, so if I go with Buffy, I show up and try to maybe I can stop her from killing Anya at the last second. I don't know. I go with Xander, who they're all going to the same place. So I guess you're like still just trying to stop Buffy from killing Anya at the last second. I mean, so. there must have been like that awkward "see you later," and then you start walking to the same direction to your cars. Whips. <laughs> <laughs> Xander's like, is this bitch following me? Oh shit, she got a sword. All right, I better hurry up. Huh? <laughs> uh, Willow, what didn't totally Totally abstain, though. I mean, Willow very much was an active agent. And oh, yeah, she made a choice. was really the choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was the third way. That was what Xander was saying. There is others. Yeah. Except Xander didn't try. <laughs> well, he did. His his was to go talk, right? But that that's the best he can do. I mean, his was human. to be like, Buffy's coming. Oh, she's here. <laughs> I give you oh, a five-second warning. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was right behind me, so I did get a she's run right at the very me. end. But I'm a large man, so I, it took me a minute. <laughs> There's no mystical guidebook, no all-knowing counsel. Human rules don't apply. There's only me. I am the law. So just about the the law thing for the the last bit of this scene. So, Daniel, you don't like that because it's a little too authoritarian. Like you think she's got too much. Like I don't want. She's taking a little bit too much of the. I'm the final word of everything. Yeah. See, I. I don't read it like that. I remember this scene. I remember her being an authoritarian for some reason. I also thought this hap- this speech happened in late, way later when she's like trying to rouse the troops. I did not think that it happened here. I think she so, does another version of it. She probably does. Um, so when she says it, when she says she said, I am the law, she says it not in like, I am the fucking law. Listen to me. Shut up and sit down. She's saying it with regret, right? So in consequences, Faith says, we don't need the law. We are the law. And Buffy's like, ah! My my sensibilities. How could you possibly say that? <laughs> yeah, but, but Faith is saying that to avoid her responsibility, right? She's saying we don't need to involve the cops, man. We are above this shit. And Buffy is not taking. She was not okay with that then, and she's not taking that tack now. In my opinion, she's just you know, she's like, this is my fucking burden. I'm the goddamn Slayer. I'm always alone. Everything sucks. I'm gonna go kill your girlfriend. <laughs> Brutal. You're right. You're right. Yeah. It's just. Uh... It was a mournful. I'm the law. It definitely was not a. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who knocks. Yes. They're not, it's not a crazy yeah. eyes. It's, I am unfortunately the law. And for me, it's just, I... I am unfortunately the law. That's all. <laughs> That's right. Better. People need us to survive. In the balance, nobody's going to cry over some random bystander who got caught in the crossfire. I am. That's your loss. So, hey, what fight were you watching? Buffy gives Xander a head start to confront Anya. As we just talked about, they inevitably met up on the sidewalk, but let's not talk about that. Uh, she fights kind of poorly and then sta- stabs Anya through the heart, which she knows isn't fatal to vengeance demons because we had this happen to, to Hallie 
in Older and Far Away, right? So did you get the vibe at all, Daniel, I'll start with you. Did you get the vibe at all that she was trying to not kill Anya until she absolutely had to? Like she was stalling for time, hoping Anya would like see the errors her way, the reverse the spell, give up the vengeance game so she didn't have to go through with killing her? No. No, I don't no. I don't think any of that calculated. The only thing that I thought, just because I knew she wasn't gonna die, again, it's either a lapse of like Buffy forgot, wasn't taught enough about vengeance demons, forgot. Yeah. Or, you know, it's just I, one of those things where it's like this would kill a human and I think of Anya as a human and hopefully she's more human than demon and this will kill her and maybe just uh, hopefully it'll it, this will work hopefully mm-hmm. it'll work and also you have the sword like right there I don't know why you let her pry it out of her I would just keep it there and just be like hey I need help guys <laughs> or keep this here so take it out and move. cut her head off <laughs> like cut I her mean, head off I mean there's a lot of things you could have done yeah. but um yeah, I don't know. It's either psychological or it's just a mistake. Or I don't know. You're kind of like in yeah. the moment. Stacey, do you think she was intentionally pulling punches or was just she was losing the fight, as Anya pointed out? Uh, I don't think she was pulling punches. I mean, I think she said in an earlier season, like, you'd be surprised how many things you can kill with a stake through the heart. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that was in the wish. Yeah, her so wish I for think, herself. you know, probably stabbing someone in the heart is a reflex for her. Yeah, yeah. D-Mac. So, and then yeah, she kind of has this moment where she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know that's right well if i was a demon guys. too i'd be like hey slayer you know what you know listen you can kill me in a lot of ways but stabbing me through the heart that's not one of them so don't even try it man don't even try it you're supposed to crush <laughs> my power center power. but that doesn't exist anymore <laughs> so <laughs> good luck uh buffy stabs anya as she's saying i'm a vengeance cutting her off pun intended and metaphorically killing anyanka because she never goes back to her demon face after that moment right after the sword comes out vengeance demon face gone doesn't come back for the rest of the episode so she does keep fighting, but she ends up on the ground, unmoving, kind of begging for Buffy to kill her. Did Anya want to suicide by cop? Was she looking for Buffy to just end it because she didn't want to deal anymore? She obviously wants out of the vengeance game, but mm-hmm. does she want to be obliterated? Now, we get to the point where she's making the choice, and you're choosing one life for another, if you will. And I think a lot of people would do that with like deep regret. But, like, that, but if there wasn't that angle, like, did she just want to just straight up die i don't know i'm sure she'd want to exactly what happened with the like a way to make her life matter although hallie was the one who was killed but i don't know that's a really good question though so stacia i want to know what you think (laughs) hey that's my job Uh, uh i agree it's a good question i'm i mean like i was thinking through it as you're talking you know and anya when Xander shows up and he's like, Buffy's coming to kill you. Anya had this like, of course, it's inevitable. It's her job. I'm doing my job. We're professionals in the office together and we're going to try to <laughs> cut each other's heads off. Uh, and, you know, I think after she got stabbed, she had this moment where it's like, you know, when you're fighting the Slayer, it's like one of you is going to die. And I think she's kind of struggling with like, do I want to keep killing? <laughs> and if I don't, then I'm going to let Buffy kill me. So yeah. I don't know if that's the moment she's having, um, but I think that makes sense, especially when, you know, DeHoffrin materializes and she's immediately like, I don't care, just kill me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Xander, sure. she's like, Xander, stop trying to save me. Yeah. Yeah, I think she wanted Buffy to just end it at that point. You're sure? This is your wish? This is my wish. Undo what I did. Very well. Okay. Mrs. Anya, Christina, Emanuela, Jenkins, Harris. What did we think about this song? The first time watching it was just unbelievably great because 
if you binge it, you're not, the, I mean, you're kind of far away from once more, but you're not too yeah, far. Whole year, it. Right? Uh, nor will you ever forget it. But like, once you hear the mustard, you're like, wait, what are we really doing this? <laughs> awesome. And, uh, the song was beautiful and the, the cut is masterful. And again, Drew Goddard, student of the show. Good job, man. Yeah. The best cut of the whole show. Stacia, what do you think about this song? Um, you know, as a feminist, it makes me kind of cringe. Oh, yeah? <laughs> that she's <laughs> just like, point. I define myself as a man I'm in a relationship with. <laughs> and I can't wait to be this person who's just, you know, existing for the needs of some other person. Um, so on that level, I don't I don't love it. I want Anya to be her own person. But I will say I agree. I like the nostalgia factor of like, oh, we're back in like one of our favorite episodes, seeing this like piece that, you know, it's like a little peek behind the curtains almost. And um, I every time that I see this episode, you know, you have this like horrible confrontation between Buffy and Anya and she gets stabbed and then you have this like awkward moment where you're like, wait a second, we're back in time again. But by the end of the song, I've always forgotten that they're fighting. And so the jump cut to Anya being dead, like right as the music swelling and you're like, oh, Anya is so happy. She's going to get married. And then you're just like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like that's really effective. Like I really do get like caught up in like those emotions of her feeling like I found my place in the world and everything is going right to like crash shot to like this horrible (laughs) Everything has gone wrong. <laughs> but even works... as a viewer, you know she doesn't get married. So it's even like yeah. mm-hmm. you already kind of I feel know. This it's ache. like gaslights you. <laughs> but it's longing. You're like, oh, she's so happy. I just, yeah, I, I wish. Oh, fuck. Now it's like gone. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. exquisite. Yeah. Exquisite. My biggest problem with this scene is the wig they put her in because mm-hmm. it is not in any way, shape, or form <laughs> the same hair she had in Once More with Feeling. I get it. That was. Emma Caulfield's real hair. This is not Emma Caulfield's real hair. But still, we could have tried a tiny bit harder, in my opinion. Also, I thought the song was excellent. Uh, it grated on me that he uses the word heart and then, like, two lines later says heart again. But uh, that's those are my only critiques. Bad wig, overuse of the word heart. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> A+. Plus. Just excellent. Uh, I got to mention this before I forget. David Solomon, the a.k.a. the director of all the episodes of Buffy. Um <laughs> He is so fucking funny. I remember that he was the one doing the commentary. He must have directed Hell's Bells, too, with Rebecca Rand Kirshner because they were just joking the entire time. So during this scene right before the jump cut, he's like, God, she's look at her. She's so beautiful in her dress. And then the jump cut, he's like, whoops. Way too good. And then when they're fighting... Uh, when they're fighting about um at, at the Scooby meeting and fighting about Angel, you know, like you know, I killed Angel, whatever, and Drew's like, She killed Angel. And Solomon's like, She killed her mom too, right? <laughs> not a student of the show. <laughs> well, I mean he's he fully knows that's not what happened, but it's just so funny that he says <laughs> so good. That's uh, incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> anyway, David Solomon, legend. Okay, I think we have a time for a quick round of reasonable or ridiculous, a new staple oh of God, our we're show. Still doing this. <laughs> <laughs> still going. Oh. This episode won't Can ever I end. Every time you think it's gonna this? end, it's oh gonna keep going. Yeah, I know. I should make one. All right. Xander, Xander, fuck me. Xander never (laughs) considered that Buffy might have to kill Anya. She brought a goddamn sword to the bronze the last time. That's what I'm saying. Reasonable, ridiculous Daniel for Xander to have never considered that Buffy might have to deal with Anya murdering people. It's reasonable that you would block it out of your brain because you just don't think you're going to cross that threshold. But it's unreasonable for a thinking person to not think that she's going to. She tried to kill your friend. Why wouldn't she kill the not friend? Come on. Yeah, yeah. 
Stacia, reasonable or ridiculous? Obviously, it's ridiculous and absolutely <laughs> naive. You're friends with a motherfucking slayer, and your ex-girlfriend is killing people. What do you think is going to happen? And I know the forever joke is that Xander's an idiot and Willow's a genius, but Willow knew immediately. That girl in the closet was like, this is what happened. And she was like, fuck, Buffy's going to kill Anya. Yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, Xander's like, what? <laughs> this is something yeah. I never would have considered. Did everybody have their crazy flakes today? Reasonable or ridiculous? They got what they deserved. That's what Anya says about the frat boys getting their hearts ripped out. Is heart ripping a, a justifiable punishment for upbreaking, Daniel? <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> and that's my problem. That's with what you yeah, know. I wish, uh, of course, I wish that it was an actual. Gr- it was more grim, but yeah. I don't know. That would have changed the arc of maybe a lot of this episode. But no, I, I think it's ridiculous. It makes Anya into a complete fucking monster that had to absolutely put down, which puts us on the side of Buffy which complicates the legacy of the whole show and try to piece it all together. Because in this episode, Buffy is <laughs> fucking right. She's right. You have to stop this person yes. who is just going to keep fucking doing this. She did it with the worm. I brought the thing. I thought that was enough of a threat. Wasn't enough of a threat. Now I have to kill her. Yep. Stacia, reasonable or, resi- or ridiculous that those kids got their hearts ripped out? Oh. <laughs> There's contemplating. Uh, I love the take. I love the take. Uh, I would play devil's advocate and say reasonable. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, knowing the rules, which are she's a a monkey paw genie. Okay. Well, it's not just that, but it's like the frat boy didn't just break up with her. He he brought her, telling her it was a party, to publicly humiliate her in front of all of his friends. And then I assume they all started laughing and mocking her. So that's not just dumping someone. That's like a level of cruelty that's way beyond just breaking someone's heart. And also in this world... Where demons exist and people get murdered by demons, is it reasonable for a demon to murder people who do mean things? Yeah. <laughs> in this world, yes. In this, in I mean, Sunnydale's. In, yes, in Sunnydale. If if it if we're in like Portland, 2022, and the police are rolling up, am I like death penalty for these frat boys? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm like, you gotta let them go. They were shitheads. But like in this world, yeah, Anya, get them, girl. <laughs> How the tables have turned. It's been Daniel consistently like, yeah, I'm the psychopath. Kill them all. I don't care. (laughs) Well, I mean, as Anya said, she doesn't remember. She didn't remember how much damage a Crimshaw demon could do. And you know what? That's plausible deniability. And she is off the hook. I think it's the crim. And that's dead. That that demon's dead. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Justice has been served. She's good. Reasonable or ridiculous? Xander asks Willow to bring the frat boys back using magic. Daniel, is it reasonable for someone who's struggling with a magic addiction to be asked to use very intense resurrection magic uh, <laughs> for to bring back some randos that we don't know? Unbelievable that mm. you would ask your friend who is a recovering addict. I got addicted the way addicts do. These people have their hearts ripped out. Like, it's not just a dead body that's decomposing or whatever and Buffy gets to come back. How do you put a heart back? What do yeah, you do? It was theoretically How eaten, does that right? Magic. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Magic, I guess. I know, but you got to go to, like, fucking Osiris, and we've already had bad run-ins with Osiris, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and in the end, Willow was more like, I'll just destroy the world because I can't get what I want. <laughs> so how, how is she going to get 12 bodies back? I mean, right? right? Yeah. How is she going to get 12 bodies back? She's going to have to destroy the world 12 times. I mean, yeah, what happens when that doesn't work, work out? Yeah. Relapse is a part of recovery. We understand that. I mean, 
I or don't, reasonable or ridiculous? I don't think it's reasonable or ridiculous. I think it's absolutely stupid. It's <laughs> fucking stupid. Xander was there for the three months they took planning how to get Buffy back. Xander was there when Tara was killed and Willow fucking lost her mind because she couldn't bring Tara back. Um, in what world does he think that shoving his fragile, just, you know, recently evil murderous friend off the deep end by you know dipping her hands in the darkest blackest of magic to bring back 12 nobodies no one cares about like in what world do you think that this is possible that you should ever ask this of your friend totally logistically is there enough ink that she can like suck Suck up up. i I mean mean, logistically no one's answering on cyrus's phone now that she's killed his receptionist honestly he's not taking her calls we know we need to get on the phone is miss hoarseness all right reasonable (laughs) or ridiculous finally we haven't talked about him the whole episode really but spike says he has nowhere else to go but the basement daniel reasonable or ridiculous that this man can't leave the basement Where's his uh, old well, crypt? I mean, it's reasonable. It has to be reasonable because the the first is keeping him down there. I, I think assume. So. Well, yeah, he's probably the moment he tries to leave. Another vision of Drew is going to show up and be like, "Hey, bitch, get back down there." I assume that something's keeping him there. Okay. And Buffy wasn't able to lure him out. I mean, that might be tr- not be true. He has left, obviously. Yeah. And, like fight people with fire and shit. So whatever. But um, no, it's reasonable that where would he go? I mean, really? Well, back to his to old crypt bar? is what I was thinking immediately. Well, the crypt. Well, yeah. yeah, it's still there. Where, where does Clem, Clem live? Clem? Yeah. Uh, Clem, know, took, Clem was watching his crypt while exactly. he was gone. So theoretically, you should be able to be like, dude, I'm home. I, we could be roomies, I guess crazy. you want. Yeah, yeah. I think it's ridiculous that. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> It seems ridiculous that Spike says he has nowhere else to go but the basement, but I think that there could be reasons that the first is forcing him there. What I think, though, is more ridiculous is Buffy showing up. It seems like maybe every day to have a very fruitless conversation with Spike that says, you have to leave the basement. No. Okay, bye. (laughs) Like, I have nowhere else to go. Buffy's like, okay, loser, see you later. She's not like, you can stay at my house. Let's clean out your crypt. Let's find you a hotel room. Like, she's, like, not trying to problem solve at all. She's just like, you're a fucking loser and get the fuck out of this fucking basement. That's right. He and then he's like, oh, damn it. I can't. And she's like, oh, you're so disappointing. I'll be back tomorrow, jackass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just such a weird scene. Oh, <laughs> but how did you get the troll element? Eelspain. Eelspain. Brilliant. What do you do? Bar matron. A load-bearing bar matron. Is there any other kind? Okay, gosh, I think it's finally time. Oh. Let's remind everyone that we're a real podcasting. You can find us everywhere. Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. We have a website, beatmepod.wordpress.com, where you can find notes about our show. It contains wonderful tidbits, like, you know, any references that we make. That it'll, it'll just be right there. You know, you can just see it. It's so convenient. Also, if you like music, like music from this episode, because I'm pretty sure it's on Spotify, you can find yeah. a playlist that I made just for all of you. Dear listeners, beat me hyphen fun time playlist for podcast fans season seven. Oh my gosh, beautiful, it wonderful. Was, I mean, there was a, there was a, a little, a little bit, slip, a hiccup, but but I mean that. God, yeah, you guys are so mean. Tune in next <laughs> week to see if Stacia gets it. <laughs> Especially considering how you bumble through the intro sometimes. Oh my god, yeah, I haven't done that in a while. This one was really bad. Really, this, yeah, this episode is not my best. Not my We're best. Rusty. <laughs> yeah, God. Okay. 
It's on uh, to the yelling time. Let's yell about some stuff. I did, it's probably not worth saying, and you can cut this out. Great. Reference Palooza, Drew Goddard, guy who watches the show. There's so many. Anya Bunyas. Bunyas. Anya's Bunyas. She loves him, and now she hates him. Communist to capital, capitalist. Olaf says to her, your logic is insane and happenstance like that of a troll. In Triangle, Xander says making him choose between his girlfriend and his best friend is insane. Troll logic. Anya Christina Emmanuel Jenkins is the name Anya told the counselor, counsel in checkpoint. So there we go. We're calling back. Are there any of your friends you haven't tried to kill? Buffy tried to kill Xander, Tara, Willow, and Don, and Normal again. Spike on several occasions. Willow and Grave. Faith and Graduation Day Part 1. Angel and Becoming. There's so many times she's tried to kill literally every member of her family, except for my, possibly her mom, although I think we can make an argument. Maybe there was... There, well, no, I guess Joyce was just trying to kill her. Anyway, uh, here's my talisman. You change your mind, you give us a chant. Willow finally uses talisman that Hoffman gave her all the way back in Something Blue, Season 4. Uh, for the flaying of Warren Mears, which, again, callback. I know it's recent, but still counts. She'd see the sky when we were inside and it'd make her so happy she see the shower she'd see shower see she's holy shit. She'd see Good thing you're not an actor. Stars. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why they do those stupid tongue twisters before they go and do stuff. Anyway, that's okay. referencing innocence specifically. Drusilla says, I'm naming all the stars. Spike says you can't see the stars, love. That's the ceiling. Also, it's day. Drusilla says, I can see them, but I've named them all the same name, and there's terrible confusion. I love that line. <laughs> and at the very beginning of the the Mrs. Song scene, Xander says, just want happy ending, and that's not a crude reference to some weird sex thing. He's referencing the end of Once More With Feeling when he says, I just wanted to be sure we work out, get a happy ending. There's probably a Maybe bunch more. Maybe he was talking about a weird sex thing at the end of uh, Once More With Feeling. He might have been. Probably who fucking well. knows? But I bet there's like a ton more. Um, those are just the ones that I pointed at, like noticed. Anyway, so. Stacia, please say something now. Are we doing our yelling? Yes. Okay. No, it's been a long I wasn't sure what that was. <laughs> um, Buffy is wearing the world's largest necklace at the beginning of this episode. Really? <laughs> yeah. I pointed it out to you when we watched this. And you were oh, like, right. Oh. Yeah. It's like a giant uh, like it, gem thing. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. like a arrowhead shape or a diamond shape, and it's like clear, and it's huge. Oh, like this one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that yeah. one. It's like a loose sight or something. Yeah, you can barely see it. Yeah, it's like clear, but it's huge. That's a big-ass necklace. She doesn't usually wear jewelry that big. I guess that's what you do when you're the law. You're welcome. Mine is the return, the glorious return of the UC Sunnydale. Bulletin board. Fuck yeah. Bulletin board. You love to see it. So here we've got uh, the food bank needs you. These are pretty boring, actually. The food bank needs you. Are you a tenor? Come play assassin. Assassin spelled wrong. Uh, The return... Or the have never left of the widespread panic and strict cheese incident posters. Mm, nice. uh, there's a fridge for sale. Teacher appreciation night is coming up. There is a sticker called the Devil Roosevelt, and I looked it up. It's not a band. I, oh. I don't know if it's actually called the Devil Roosevelt. I can't really read it, but it looks like that's what it is. And then it looks like up in the top right is uh, NBA player Tim Duncan from the San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> what? He has. Uh, he's holding the Larry O'Brien Trophy, which is the mm. NBA championship oh, yeah, yeah. trophy. What's the deal? What are you doing here? <laughs> Maybe he's an alumnus of UC Sun- Sunnydale. I feel he like went the to Wake forest. Uh, in North Carolina, so <laughs> no, the picture no. <laughs> of the child in the lifesaver right next to him is weirder. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't zoom in on any of this stuff. I just saw him. Oh, like, yeah. oh, right here. Oh yeah, hell yeah! What the hell are they advertising? <laughs> <laughs> It's unfortunately just too far away, and I feel like it's just filled with but like this 90s is great. fridge for sale. Yeah, I know. And then there's like the Abbey Room. Oh, something. It looks like there's an advertisement. Yeah, the Bronze. That the Bronze Temple of Heaven, which could probably is a band. Or quit called... smoking today. What? What could Assassin? Is that a game? Yeah, come play Assassin. Who knows? Huh. Uh, South Quad at five thirty. South Quad at five thirty. Just 
on a day is there a day saturday maybe it's that sad says meeting saturday i think Mm. amazing and that's probably a poster for a band and i thought this was like smashing pumpkins at first Mm. but it's it's smashing peaches something (laughs) yeah so you know see the devil roosevelt oh yeah yeah. devil roosevelt that's cool i don't know yeah i looked it up and there's like stickers with like theodore roosevelt in devil horns but there's no devil roosevelt band so well this is why you get the hd copies friends because that was that's quality and the fact that you could zoom and show us wow i know i know i'm glad that worked too so we just changed the podcast forever right there boom i i feel different um Xander's a strong, successful male. Mm. The end. Strong, successful males say giddy. Station. <laughs> Sometimes the jokes are just the jokes. Was that a joke? I mean, it sounded like one. <laughs> Was that? Okay, never mind. I don't remember that. I watched this episode twice this time, you guys. Um. Oh. I thought it was really striking in this episode. I wrote down Spike has had so many different versions of Buffy. Oh, I know. <laughs> like he's had like enemy, like real Buffy, real enemy Buffy, and then he's had Sexbot Buffy, and then he's had Hallucination First Buffy, and then he's got like girlfriend Buffy, and now he's got this like weird I wish you were just not here Buffy. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's rough. I was also thrown. I forgot that it was the first. I thought we were having like a nice. Okay, yeah. just a quick note about. I I loved that scene. It was short, and he's barely in the episode. Um, but the music was excellent. I thought the music was perfect throughout this whole um, episode. But I don't know if anyone else but me picked up on it. But it's really. It's definitely too similar to the Buffy Angel love theme to not be a direct homage to it. So, But it's like a twisted, much sadder version of it. And I think that was like, I really hope that was intentional because it's so thematic of their relationship, right? It's like this thing, same circumstance, but totally fucked up and everything's awful. And it's just like, yeah. this is perfect. I'm so glad that asshole's not composing music. Asshole. I'm sorry, dude. You're probably a very fine person, but Thomas Wanker. Wow. G- Trump is fired at Thomas Wanker. <laughs> He's at your door. He's in your living room right he now. He might be. Oh my Maybe god. Maybe that's where the dogs are Shia barking. LaBeouf. All right. Anyway, that was a great scene. The music was great. It uh, was a great scene and it threw me. I was like, "Oh my god." Yeah, I thought it was Buffy. actually Buffy what at first. And I was like, "I've watched this so many times. Why Thank did you. I think it was not the first? Because we can't have what we want." And I was immediately like, "Oh my god, I already forgive him. This is how it happens. This is how it happens." <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> anyway, Daniel. Oh, um, the coloration from old timey world into Anya and Dahafri oh, yeah. when we turn. This was what we were talking about in uh, Better Call Saul, like waiting for the end when the black and white becomes the color. Mm. They never went full color palette. They just kind of chose to do a couple of signature shots. But like that was cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the flipping of it. Well done. Exactly. Like perfect. You just kind of realize I was in old timey and now I'm in color. Very mm-hmm. cool. I'm sorry. How rude of me. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is De Hoffer. I am odd. Are you? <laughs> I'm afraid you don't see your true self. You are Anyanka. I thought, I, like, they didn't comment th- on this during the DVD commentary, so I don't know that it was intentional, but I like to think, considering most of this stuff was really thought out, I know we give Buffy a lot of shit because it's, rightfully, they're kind of just flying by the seat of their pants sometimes. We're like, oh yeah, we did do that. I forgot we did that. But yeah, it happened. It really seemed like Drew wanted everything very specifically and, and knew a lot about the show and wrote it all intentionally. So I was thinking that grainy, you know, like film thing. 
I read it as like some unreliable narrator shit where it's like, this is the memory that Anya has of this thing that went down. It doesn't mean that that's 100% what actually happened, but it's just her version of it. And using that mechanism of like transitioning from the grainy whatever to real life or, you know, our real life. It just, I really, it made me feel cool about that. Not that it's not what really happened, but it probably didn't happen just like that. And memories are subjective sometimes. Like you forget a lot of stuff. And I don't know, this episode was good. For God's sake, shut your whimpering mouth. Why does Odd know English? <laughs> Were we not supposed to notice that they switched to English? Well, I think they did that when they switched the camera from the grainy thing, too, for that reason, where it's mm. like, I, I read that as um, they might not even be speaking English. They might be speaking some demon language that they like, but we view it as English because the viewer needs to hear it in English, you know, not, you know. That's where, like, a lot of sci-fi will do that. It's like, well, they weren't actually speaking English. They were speaking you know, far blocks or whatever, but they speak it to each other, and so they know, and we don't need to know that they know. We can just pretend that they're just doing that, but they're not actually doing it anyway. I mean, Anya still would have had to been speaking Swedish, though, because she wouldn't immediately know a demon language. That's true. Listen. So she should still be speaking Swedish. Listen. <laughs> so De Hoffernwood then conceivably be speaking we are, Swedish. We left grainy film world. We get to speak English now. That's our reward. I'm fucking sorry I brought this up. I looked up, obviously, you know, the whole Bloody Sunday stuff for St. Petersburg. I was going to do some fun facts about 880, but I'll tell you what, there ain't shit for fun facts. Um, so forget about that. I did look up uh, the Madame du- Dubasoff's brothel you know mm. oh She's yeah not, mm-hmm. a real, not a real person totally made up for That's the show bad. i'm sure there were i mean the first thing you type in is obviously buffy but then after that was talking about uh the women industrial workers who were part of the 1905 you know um whatever Revolution. you want to call it kerfuffle yeah. oh yeah kerfuffle um, <laughs> so the storm before the storm nanny yeah, I mean, one of their rights was um, was um, universal suffrage. So, I mean, oh, that's uh, well, there you go. that was a whole whole thing. Uh, what was Xander going to do at the fight at the end? Was he going to rush Dehoffrin? What was his fucking plan? Like, he's like, no! <laughs> you think he thinks this stuff through? No, clearly not. He's I think he would die for Anya. He would yeah, die he would. for Anya. But he sees through the eyeballs of love. Also, what was that line? That one was a little rough for me. <laughs> but he delivers it so well that you don't think twice about it. And that's what's important. Mm-hmm. Um, we already talked about most of the things that I wrote down, but the last thing that I have that I don't know tickled me was when DeHoffrin was talking to Willow about her skinning Warren, and he said Lloyd has a sketch of it on his wall, and I just want to know who Lloyd, Lloyd is. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have cubicles? Like what? What is this? Where you Life's see this place, picture? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's all bureaucracy in hell or wherever he's from. Oh, totally. Rosh Mahar, obviously, duh. It would have to be. Duh, come on. Come on. Uh, my last one was just, um, you know, we've already talked about the political take of, well, the economic take, really, of, like, uh, Anya's a, a proto-capitalist back in the 800s, and everybody laughs at her. I don't talk to people much. I mean, I talk to them, but they don't talk to me, except to say that your questions are irksome and Perhaps you should take your furs and your literal interpretations to the other side of the river. But then, like, it's it's fun to, like, make her... Here's what I'll say. The arc of Anya is capitalism, good, capitalism, good. And in between, at her most soulless, is when she's like, eh, it's self-evident that mm-hmm. the communists will win. So, you know, that I, <laughs> I think we're saying something about capitalism and communism and socialism in general. Um, 
in that whatever joke we're sort of telling. So. I mean, I, ho- I I don't know if that's what he meant. I think he just wanted to do communist jokes, but that's a great read. I mean, mm-hmm. it is there in the text. You can't, you, it's a valid interpretation. You you mentioned this. Uh, so on, oh, yeah. <laughs> on Anya's counter, there's these giant containers that say, there's like a number three and a number one. I say, she's like, what the fuck are those containers for? And, and the, the commentary Solomon was like, the giant containers on, on Anya's counter, you know, Many people wrote in and said, what's 3-1 mean? And, you know, they used to say 1-3, and I switched them out last minute. And they said, really? And somebody said, why? <laughs> what's the point? And I said, because people are going to write in and say, what's 1-3 mean? I say at least 3-1 is harmless. They still think it's ice cream. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, because 31 flavors? What? <laughs> what? Yeah, I guess. It's <laughs> like, what a... <laughs> and just like he's so funny, like in the in the scenes of Buffy's house, she's just like, "Wow, what a nice house!" <laughs> just like he's not wrong. <laughs> just like random weird shit. Very homey. Oh, God. oh yeah, that was what it was. Um, <laughs> the they they were talking about some part of the episode. He's like, uh, Drew says, "I'm an encyclopedia of all things Buffy." Quiz me again, Solomon. And David <laughs> Solomon's like, "I was on all 144 episodes of Buffy, and I don't know it as well as you, Drew. For you, it's a job. For me, it's well. I'm a total geek." <laughs> and I'm just like, Quiz me again, Solomon, because he was asking, "Oh yeah, what uh, what episode of Buffy does she kill Angel?" And he's like, "Becoming Part Two, obviously." It's like, <laughs> my God, dude. He's just Solomon's too cool to. To have know anything about the show. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I do think it's time for us to have some watch updates, please, and thank you. I could deliver that. Mm-hmm. Xander Construction Outfit Watch uh, originally was a no. Uh, I thought we were just going to get Xander lying about being a strong, successful man who uh, no doubt will be <laughs> dating in the near future. Uh, he also talked right. about, quote, doing... Uh, what doing event work? That's right. The doing Freon. event work at yeah, the, the site. Yeah. Doing event work at the site, um, and obviously the Freon. Yes, uh, but in the past, Anya picks up a goddamn construction hat in an empty toolbox, she, and I'll be and she I'll sure be does. Goddamn damned if uh, if it's a, <laughs> if it's a yes. maroon jacket watch slash Anya belt alert. No, uh, even the pants at the end had no belt on them, so I didn't clock a belt. I might be oh, wrong. Man. But she, I like the sweatpants outfit. We've never seen her yeah, so cash. She looked it, looked, it looked nice. Um, Dawn's piercing screams. Nope, hardly in the episode. They hired her for four seconds. And I know. Probably Not better here. off because of it. That was probably a good call. <gasps> Chips yeah. Ahoy. Yes. Uh, we alluded to it in the hallucination scene. And then Buff, and Buffy obviously calls him harmless during the humans versus demons debate. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I say he wasn't totally harmless. Um, see Dr. Sam. The littlest bad. Do we even fight vampires anymore? No. There was no vampires at no, all. We don't. Buffy has a personality. I said that she is trying to be a better friend. Ripped out the heart? My God. Hey, did you get that physics class you wanted? So I thought that was pretty nice. Um, but of course, we're only friends to humans. As killing Anya um, is, um, she's a demon. So that's not a good look, but it is yeah. totally part of her personality. Um, and Recall, if you will, that last year we went through a lot of Buffy being broke as shit. So on the coffee Mm -hmm. table, there are subscriptions to five different art magazines, including Art Mm -hmm. News, Art and Culture, Art in America, Portfolio, and one I can't read. And in fact, the Art and Culture I don't think is right because that's a pretty new magazine. It's only about 15 years old. So I don't think it existed or it Mm -hmm. was a different permeation. 
However, Art News, pretty famous, Art in America, they're now merged into one, but they were two magazines at the time, and Portfolio is pretty famous as well. These all run us about, it's $189 a year newsstand for Art in America. Obviously, you can get about 100 bucks for a yearly subscription for that online, like today it was 90, I think it was like $94 uh, if you wanted to do that. Obviously, our news doesn't exist now, but like portfolio is fifteen dollars a month as well. So that's you're running at this point. Dang. You want to get a subscription to all of those back in two thousand two. We're at least running about four hundred bucks a year, like just all of them together, hundred dollar, hundred, 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 all of it. You know, just because it's like you know you're gonna pay about ten bucks or eight bucks per per issue because they're like fifteen to twenty. They're all art gloss magazines. They're art magazines. They're beautiful. Some of them are thick. So so mm. what? So either Buffy has inherited the art gene, which we never see anything of, or they continue to pay <laughs> on these on these magazines. Or they're old magazines. You don't think it's a dentist office? Yeah, I was going to say. You don't think it's a dentist office situation where it's like the same five that Joyce had out on the table when she died? And and I just tried my best to, to look up the covers for those magazines for the years. Oh I just, I, you know, I'm going to give it a, my go. And I couldn't really, there just isn't a good database mm. for that stuff. I mean, I just, I don't know where to look yeah. to find them. So I was just like scanning through the internet. So I can't confirm that they're not from like 1995, you know, because that would, that would say that, mm. oh, well, they might've canceled the subscription, but I'm just going to say, I like to believe that Buffy is still paying for it and that she doesn't know how to manage her money. And that's where yes. the money's going. <laughs> don't pay Don or don't feed no. Don. With, with money. Don't feed Don. Don't pay Don. Just keep getting That's the it. Magazine. Dauphin Watch. Yeah, buddy. And probably for the last time. Hell yeah. I assume. I think so. I think he's mentioned, but he doesn't that is show a, up. That is a shame. He has always been a gem, and I wish that he was on the show more. Uh, most valuable weapon. Sunnydale cell phones. No. I don't think we ever no. used a cell phone. Obviously, no. Willow could have used one to call, but didn't do that. Michael Amy Wicca Goth Watch. I said yes. Anya from the past using Gillsbane all of her stuff. This was like oh. prior to being <laughs> fair enough. So that's the best yeah, yeah. we can do. Cause otherwise there's hardly any magic except for uh, Willow. There's too many mm-hmm. damn kids in the summer's house. Not yet. By the way, is Willow. Okay. I said, yes, Willow started out. Okay. Um, she's getting the swing of college, but then uh, she had to use magic and she's confronted by Anya who tells her flayed anybody lately. Have you? How quickly they forget. Now, that's not good for <laughs> your emotional well-being. But then she did abstain from um, killing somebody that she knew. So that is progress for her. Uh, but then she dabbled in magic again. <laughs> and she knows that she's going to have to explain the Dehoffren shit to her friends, right? Like, hey, how did Dehoffren show up? Oh, I think that'll be totally know. cool. I mean, Xander was willing to have her fucking resurrect 12 people. I, I don't think he gives a shit about calling down. Amen. Hoffman. And that's why they're kind of a messy friend group, because really somebody should be holding her a bit more accountable. <laughs> but you're damn right. No one's going to bring it up. No one's even going to ask a question. Mm-mm. Tabula Rasa style. No one's going to ask. No one's going to tell. Uh, books a million. I said, yes, Buffy is pulling books out at the very beginning. And I think one of them was called Beginner's Guide to Immortality. I couldn't totally get out the Beginner's Guide, but definitely the oh. Immortality. So what's up with that? Why can't we find out about immortality? Um, But that was pretty much the only book. I mean, there was like bookshelves. I saw a couple of those, but that's about it. Streets Ahead. I said, yes, there's a new frat house in town. We've never been there, right? Mm -hmm. And Giles Biggest KO. I said, yes, like always, he could have helped here. (laughs) Um, He could have added some fucking gradation to Buffy's thinking in my book. Um, So there's not just a black and white world, but he probably wouldn't. So it's a fucking KO either way. Way to go, Giles. Way to not prepare her. As he deserves. 
Oh, sticky. Thank you for updating us on those watches. Uh, I believe it's time that we rank this sucker. Willow hacks slash we talk about the net slash something Wicca. This way comes nary a computer, but we do get Willow's black magic eyes as she's mm-hmm. fighting out the spider, and she does summon to Hoffren, but I only gave it a six because, I mean, summoning to Hoffren, you could say, is the linchpin of the whole episode, so I could have used this as a juke stat, but I have I have plenty of that, so I don't need that. Six it is. <laughs> Dawn needs an adult. Dawn is not in this episode, but clearly doesn't need an adult because she has a solid social survival regimen. Already put together. Be no one. Say nothing. Yeah. Do nothing. It's That's fine. It. Eight for Dawn. <laughs> monster of the week. The monster is Anya. Anya is the monster. I mean, you could say maybe it's a spider, but no, we're not going to say it's a spider. It's Anya. How cool is that? You got to love when your friend is the monster of the week. It's awesome. Ten. Ten. All day. No one woman needs all that power. Or is it no one woman should have all that power? No one woman should have all that power. Uh, the power of the past, man. Not only are there a million callbacks in this episode for us to enjoy, but Buffy invoking Killing Angel was pretty powerful. Pretty powerful argument. Ten. Absolutely. Relationship goodness or badness. This was kind of a bumpy ride for friendship, but I think ultimately we're way better off now at the end of the episode than we were prior to the episode, right? Anya's no longer a demon, so she can be back in the fold, although they don't ever really seem to be close friends with her, so eh. uh, Xander and her got some closure. I guess. I mean, they do seem like yeah, there's dope. a finality to the relationship at the end. Yeah, yeah, dope. <laughs> and uh, Buffy got to yell at everyone. <laughs> so I think that we're all going to be okay. Relationship good as or bad as seven. Episode specific. The line's so nice. I said it twice, even though no one else likes it but me. That's fine. It's always different. It's always complicated. And at some point, someone has to draw the line. And it's always going to be me. In the end, the Slayer has always got off. There's no mystical guidebook. No all-knowing counsel. Human rules don't apply. There's only me. I am the law. 10 out of 10, goddammit, because that thing sticks in my mind for season 7 for so much, even though I thought it was in the wrong episode, that I had to say it. But also, Stacia pointed out, and I forgot to say this in the yelling, there is a book. It's the first thing we see when we get introduced to Giles. Mm-hmm. So there oh, is know, a guidebook. And there literally is, and a, there council. is a council. <laughs> and they're not mystical, though. Yeah. They don't have magical powers. I gave her that point. But when she was like, there ain't a it's book, true. I'm like, bitch, there's a book. <laughs> <laughs> Giles, that's the biggest Giles game. That's what I'm talking about. Not prepared, even for the simplest of four. Come on. That's day Come one. Come on. Uh, so, yes, 10 out of 10. Total of 51 for the episode. That puts it at number one for the season. Right above, same time, same place. Great job, Selfless. What a fun episode. Even though so much of it was taken up by a sad friend fight, there's just so much to love. Thank you, Drew Goddard, for watching the show. Excuse me. Oh, my gosh. Stay shot. Where did you rank this episode? Um, I put this at 30 out of 127. Hi! Where it belongs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh it's <laughs> it's below Lovers Walk and Bad Girls. Um and it's above I was made to love you and fear itself. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Below bad girls. Hmm. I like bad girls. You know I like Once bad I girls. Uh okay. You don't get it. I don't care. <laughs> so fucking good. I love that shit, don't man. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to tell me twice about it. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) And what do we have for the plot? Okay, so, well, I already gave you guys the long-form plot, so here's the (laughs) short-form plot. It's um, Anya kills the frat house. (laughs) Kills the frat house. (laughs) (laughs) Anya flashbacks. Buffy tries to kill Anya. Mrs. Song. Hallie dies. Mrs. what? Mrs. Song. Oh, the, 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 the Mrs. Song, yeah. The, literally the Mrs. Song. The Mrs. Song, right. If I just put Mrs., I wouldn't know what that meant. I was like, who's Mrs. Song? 
Yeah, I miss the song. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Thank you. Daniel, where did you rank uh, this? This episode could have been a more complete piece. Uh, the ending, like so many lately, honestly, is like one for the history books. Contender for one of the best endings of the show in general. Um, the last, again, 15 minutes are just masterwork. Um, I, ga- I gave it a 23. Uh, I only have so many to go for. Um, 10 to me was too high. Um, in my 2013 rankings, I know that this was in the top 10. So I don't think that it's top 10 worthy. Um just based on but weren't you kind of banking on this was, going in your i was 10? so i'm like I, but again i wasn't Uh-oh. banking on fucking what what did we just watch we watched fucking well, we that s- one episode just a couple fucking same time same place oh help six. yes oh, that's what i mean like oh, i mean I, I never saw that coming that was like in the 150s and we still have storyteller, storyteller which, and conversations with dead people mm-hmm. i will say that when i turn my podcaster brain off especially after their intense talk that was better for me I may have ruined a lot of the middle thinking about it, but as Willow said about uh, Killing Angel, it turned out okay. So 23 it is, and uh, (laughs) that's where we'll go. So there's stuff to look forward to, turns out. Season 7 might be worth watching. (laughs) (laughs) So far, so good. But we said that about season uh, last season, too. And then we took a bit of a nosedive, and then we came back, so. Yeah. We brought it back. We brought it back. It was okay in the end. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. do you have anything else to say about this episode, Selfless Stasia? No. Daniel, anything else to say about this? Nothing about this episode, no. Okay. Well, please do join us next time for an episode that is total silliness. You lift it right out. Doesn't need to be in the show, but I think it's pretty funny. And there is a scene that is unforgettable in this episode. In him. I'm looking forward to watching it again. Wow. In him. That's the next one. So until we get there, Stasia, you need to say goodbye, please. <laughs> goodbye, please. I deserve that. Daniel, say goodbye. Did everybody have their beat me flakes today? You're friends. How can you <laughs> podcast like this? <laughs> beat me flakes. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us for him. Goodbye. Never go for the kill when you can go for the pain. Lloyd has a sketch of it on his wall. I've forgotten how much swords you can just hurt. <laughs> you know better than that, Thank you. All better. But only to those who deserve it. They all deserve it. That's where I was going with that, yeah.